Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Well, hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I'm pleased to welcome Colonel Ron Guerin to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Ron is a former NASA astronaut, Air Force fighter pilot, test pilot, and humanitarian turned social entrepreneur, author, keynote speaker, and also a champion for women's empowerment. Yes, as one of the select group of individuals lucky enough to see the world from space, Ron shared his unique perspective in his first book, The Orbital Perspective, Lessons in Seeing the Big Picture from a Journey of 71 Million Miles. From the orbital perspective, Ron says that we are all deeply connected and interconnected as part of the spaceship we call Earth. And since we are all in this together, the only way we're going to solve the challenges are working together. Absolutely. Ron has contributed to so many humanitarian projects, including leading the Unity Node Project, co-founding Mana Energy Limited, and of course, one of my favorite, the Fifth Element Group. And we connected in Oxford, England and at the World School Forum a few years ago and wonderful, wonderful people. He's also launching two new books, Floating in Darkness and Railroad to the Moon, which is a children's story about a girl who travels to the moon and becomes the mayor. I love it. So welcome, Ron. I'm so happy that you're with me. And and, uh, there's so much to talk about. We can't possibly do it in 30 minutes, but (laughs) at least we can get started. So welcome. Thanks for having me, Dr. Nancy. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, you know, how I start these conversations, and again, this is just for you and I to talk, and then you will share how you want people to know more about you and your books and so forth, is I start with a personal story, because nobody gets to be who they are. You're not the person sitting here unless you've been through. There's a life story there that when we share that with each other, men and women, and when we share our stories of where we've come from, and why we're doing what we're doing, there's always an amazing connection. So let's start there. Let's start with how did you get to be you? How did that happen? <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, I, I guess the, the, <laughs> the crux of that question is how did, how did I get to have the career that I had and, um, you know, fly in space and, and all that. And, you know, I, it all started, I, I think, the, uh, at a pivotal moment, a pivotal moment in my life, which was July 20th, 1969. Uh, and that is my most vivid childhood memory, uh, the night where I, as a young boy, along with millions and millions of people around the world, watched those first footsteps on the moon. Yeah. And, 
you know, I wouldn't have been able to put it in these words at the time, but at some level, I realized that we had just become a different species. We were a species no longer confined to our planet. And I wanted to be a part of that group of explorers that, that got to step off our planet and, and to look back at ourselves. And that started a multi-decade journey. Um, I, I actually took the traditional route, if you, if you will, uh, to NASA. And that's how I joined the military. I became a pilot, I became a fighter pilot, uh, eventually became a test pilot. Um, and then um, was selected from the ranks of test pilots uh, to join NASA, uh, and then eventually flew with NASA once on the U.S. Space Shuttle, which was a construction mission. We helped build the International Space Station. Uh, and then I flew with the Russians on a Soyuz spacecraft, which was a six-month mission on, on board the International Space Station. Uh, but my first mission with NASA wasn't in space. It was on the bottom of the ocean. And I lived uh, and worked on the bottom of the ocean in Aquarius. <laughs> the world's only undersea laboratory. And um, I left NASA in uh, 2013, and I left with uh, the singular motivation to be able to share a perspective of our planet that I believe has profound implications for how we problem solve, how we treat our planet, how we treat each other. Uh, and it really is um, an integral part of our problem solving process. And so everything I've done since leaving NASA has been done with the objective to either literally or figuratively transport people to a higher vantage point where all the pieces of the puzzle come together. Yeah. Well, my last book is called In This Together. So right. I absolutely agree. Um, everything I'm reading about you, the big picture. Uh, again, you getting your big picture was the ultimate. But, you know, I, just, a, just a little personal story about me. I grew up around planes. My father was a pilot. He, he was also an instructor. He flew jets in the Navy and then built two experimental aircraft, acrobatic planes. So I've always been around. And then, of course, working for FAA, uh, he was involved in bringing the Concorde to the United mm -hmm. States. And so we, we never really knew what my daddy did because his, <laughs> his grade level was too high to really tell us about. But, you know, I wish one day, you know, he had told us about that. But but he met some extraordinary pilots along the way. And so some of those, I, I wish to God my father had written a book because, you know, just the history of where we've come from in aeronautics and, and now outer space is is a phenomenal journey because i mean look look where it's taken you but was there anybody in your life that that you know i mean that's pretty that's pretty extraordinary for was there anybody in in planes and flying or or is that just something that you just yourself just said okay one day i'm going to do this no i yeah i just decided that i wanted to i didn't have anybody in my family that uh was in the military at the time, or yeah. um, I did have a great uncle who flew, was a pilot in World War II. Um, unfortunately, I never met him because he was killed in World War II over the skies of Germany. Um, but, but, you know, that's, I, I, that wasn't, you know, somebody who I, I grew up with, uh, you know, yeah. obviously. And so, um, no, it was, it was just, it was that calling on July yeah. 20th, 1969. It sounds like this is uh, this is what you were meant to do. There's no doubt about it. But you know, again, I think this is what we what a lot of the things that you've written you talk about are the big picture, and and I think right now this is what we really need to start looking at in our world as far as what's going on, and you know, let's just start with what the space station that you helped to build. But it talks about 15 countries being involved, and in many of these countries were not even getting along. But again, what happened is 15 countries came together and had one common goal to work together to create something. And, and that shows what, I mean, this is the important thing that we're talking about too, the big picture and how we must 
either get together. We've got to get together to solve these problems. So what, what was, what was that like for you? Yeah, no, that was, that was amazing. You have to realize that for the first 15 years of my adult life, I trained to fight the Russians. Yeah, <laughs> you know America's most menacing enemy at the time, sure, and then fast forward, uh, you know, a couple of decades, and I'm standing at the base of a rocket uh, that would take me and my two Russian crewmates to space for six months, and it was yeah. this, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was this cold April evening, and we were launching from this previous top secret Soviet military installation on the 50th anniversary of the flight of the first human in space, Yuri Gagarin from the same launch pad that he launched from. And I looked up at the rocket and I saw an American flag and a Russian flag side by side. And here I am as a fully integrated member of a Russian spacecraft crew. And that that image was burned into me, that moment was burned into me because, I mean, it's the perfect example of beating swords into plowshares, right? And I think what happened in this case was all the 15 nations of the International Space Station Partnership, as you said, many of them weren't always the best of friends. So they were on opposite sides of the Cold War, opposite sides of the space race. But somehow they found a way to set aside their differences and do this amazing thing in space and build arguably the most complicated, complex structure ever built and to build it in space. And I think what they all decided to do was to embrace awe and wonder as opposed to fear, is to set aside fear and yeah. embrace awe and wonder because both awe and wonder and fear are very, very powerful motivators of action. Yeah. But, I, yeah. but I believe that only awe and wonder uh, motivates long-term productive action. I think fear is really you know, very, very effective in the short term. If a bear is chasing you, you're going to run pretty fast. But it's not, it closes the mind, you know, it, it prevents rational thought. It, you know, has all these negative connotations to it, whereas uh, em embracing on wonder um, does the opposite. It opens up the mind, it encourages rational thought, it encourages innovation, uh, you know, innovative partner, you know, seeking out innovative partnerships. Uh, and so that's what we did in the International Space Station program. And we decided to to find the low-hanging fruit we found something that we agreed upon which in this case was space exploration and we we set out to do that and there were a lot of detractors there were a lot of people that said the russians are doing x y and z and, and still the, yeah. until yeah. they stop doing x y and z we have no business doing anything with them luckily those detractors uh didn't win out uh, those dissenting voices didn't win out and we did uh engage with the russians in in this building of the space station program uh, and had we not, we wouldn't have a space station right now. They were they they proved to be an integral part of the partnership. Um, carried us through uh, after the Columbia disaster. But what we tend to do is we tend to use those things that we agree upon as a stick to force the things that we don't agree on, and that, and that just never works. Yeah. Um, so I, I think finding the low hanging fruit, finding what we agree on. Now we have a platform because personal relationships developed because of it, a, a certain level of trust within the partnership developed because, because of that. Now we have a platform that we can use if we so choose to start to address the things that we don't agree upon uh, yeah. from, a, from a foundation of friendship and, and partnership. Well, you know, and, and just reading everything and, and different chapters from your books and so forth, you know, th this to me is the most important story that we have. When we start sharing stories, about how we do come, when we do come together, amazing things occur. You know, diversity and inclusion is the big DI is everything. But but until people actually get together with each other and really start working together and have common goals, it won't happen. You know, um, 
I, I have to bring this up because it really, you know, you're you're definitely into women empowerment. But, you know, one of my favorite movies was Hidden Figures, and that would be Katherine Johnson and uh, Dorothy Vaughn and Mary Jackson. Basically, we wouldn't have a space program if it wasn't for these uh, women of color. And, uh, you know, again, this it, it took and, and I, I knew some of the producers and I and I connected with them, but they said it took over 10 years to get this movie to film. I mean, to be on the film because of the controversy, you know, and, and, and I guess this is where it comes from for me is that when we really start telling stories about the things that are working and, and really can bring us together, then there's always the positive outcome. And, you know, uh, we're, we've gotten into such of a, uh, you know, uh, sensational kind of uh, society. Everything on TV is something negative or it's like something scary because, again, fear is what really is is being encapsulated uh, every day in news and, and the way its presentation is given to us. But, you know, the awe, the awe and the awe and wonder, I really like that idea. But, uh, okay, so how, how um, you know, you're, you've got books coming out and you're doing this and, uh, you know, and I, I you know, I'm going to bring up some just some subjects that you've talked about, but, uh, you know, building a legacy, shifting your fear into focus, um, innovate and embrace technology. There's so many ideas that you have, but what are some of the things that you think are going to be key right now to bring us together and to to start that dialogue. I mean, we've just gotten through uh, one of the worst elections I've ever seen in my entire life. We have, have, have gotten through the capital issues. And, and now we've been dealing with pandemic. This country and the world has really, really experienced some things that we really need to heal and we need to find ways to move forward. So what your books are about, we need awe, we need awe and wonder more than we've ever needed anything in our entire lives. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think, you know, we need to discover our, our underlying unity. Um, we need to uncover it, right? <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. because there's, I mean, we hear it, we hear it all the time. And we've, we hear it so much that, you know, we're all in this together, that, that there's, yeah. you know, an underlying unity. We, we hear it so much that we just take it for granted that we treat it superficially, right? We we take it at, at at surface level. We don't go any deeper. But there's an underlying unity. There's an underlying not only interconnectedness, but interdependency, where everything that happens affects everything else, no matter where it is. Um, and so, you know, we can't isolate ourselves. It's impossible. You can't you can't live, you can't live on an island, right? Because everything everything is is connected. And so, each other. We need each other. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I think that is what's missing right now. What's missing is what, what has what has occurred is that we have, you know, established ourselves in these boxes, right? We, we have the shadow illusion of separation. And it's been amplified through our technology. It's been amplified through social media. Uh, right. and, and, you know, all of us, every single person on the that's connected to the internet on the planet is is placed in an echo chamber walled box that the algorithm and you're fed information that the algorithm thinks that you want uh, yeah, to, yeah. to see. And so that reinforces and, you know, it has a negative reinforcement. Um, and so I think the first thing is to realize that everybody is in their own little box. Um, and 
that if they're saying things or doing things that we can't understand, it's because their feed <laughs> is feeding them stuff that's different than what, what we're being fed. And so, um, you know, I, I think it all boils down to, to our mindset, right? And like if, we, if there's some natural disaster that occur, occurs somewhere on the earth and, and we're altruistic, we might think, oh, those poor people over there, let me do something about it. Let me write a check. Let me, yeah. let me send out some posts. Let me, let me get attention to this. But the fundamental mistake in that mindset is saying those poor people over there, because yeah. that's not those poor people over there. That's happening to us. And so when we, when we look at it from the pr perspective of unity, everything changes. And it doesn't matter what, what country you live in, what religion you are, what ethnicity, what, you know, anything. It, it simply means that you, you understand that you're part of one human family and that, and that one human family is embedded in the biosphere known as Earth, which is the family of all life on, on Earth. And, and again, everything that affects um, one of us affects all of us in a profound way. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, one of the things I always say is, is don't believe everything you see, hear, or read. And I think sometimes... Uh, you know, I mean, I think during certain points in the, the, the previous, I'm not even going to talk about which ones, but it depended on what channel on the news you were watching. It depended on what newspaper you were reading. I mean, we, we have to, I guess what I have, I think the point is people have to get smarter and really learn to educate themselves too about uh, what they really want to do as far as positive changes. And that's what we need. We need people that are going to come together with a mindset, like-minded people coming together with a mindset that, yes, we are unified. You know, sure, we are diverse in many ways, but we have to have inclusion and we have to find ways. I mean, if you can take 15 countries, put them together and build this amazing space station and I mean, but that is a story that we need to keep telling over and over again. And I think that's why it's so important that your books and you going out and speaking is to, again, give example after example of how unification and in this together is making a huge difference as far as our, our whole global system. And uh, I don't think we have a choice anymore. I think no. we are we are at a pinnacle in our in our history that things definitely have to change. And, uh, you know, Fifth Element is a wonderful organization, you know, again, with many, many members that understand that it's about collaboration. It's about connecting. And it's, it's, it's not a selfish thing. It's one of saying, like, if, if you're hurting, I'm hurting. If you're mm -hmm. hungry, I'm hungry. If you're cold, I'm cold. And, and I think this is something that, uh, you know, we, we've just got to keep out there. You know, what I do, what Women Connect for do, what we do is we're building a community of like-minded people, men and women who support each other and lift one another up. And one by one, finding those groups, finding those individuals who really understand that they're not, they're not isolated, they're not alone, and that we all have to work together. So, I mean, I love what you're doing, your books, and, you know, I, we can talk about the book. Well, one of the things I had a question about your, your children's book, you must have a little girl. Do you have a little girl? I, I don't have a little girl, but I here's, here's the book right there. I know, but but <laughs> I thought he's got a little girl somewhere. Do you have a little uh, niece or someone? Because oh yeah, I, I mean the the book as you as you brought out in the introduction, it's about a little girl who goes to the moon and she becomes the mayor of Armstrong City, which is a city on the moon. It's okay. it's. It's set in the well. Part of it's set in the future. I won't tell you how she gets there or any or anything. Oh, no, we, we have to go read it. We've got. Yeah, to but I mean, I I wrote it because I wanted to uh, inspire 
uh, little girls and little boys to, to dream big and never stop dreaming. And, and it's about a dream. It's, a, it's it, the whole story is about a dream uh, that turns out uh, maybe not to be such a dream. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and those are the kinds of dreams I want to see come true for sure. Right, right. Uh, I, I'm blessed with three daughters and, and seven granddaughters, so I don't have a choice about leaving <laughs> a legacy. What, what would your legacy leave? Because you talk about building uh, building a legacy. What what, yeah. what is your legacy? So uh, my legacy, um, nobody's going to know. Well, I mean, the legacy that I'm trying to build is, is a legacy from the orbital perspective. And what that means is it's it's different than what society teaches us legacy means. Because society says, you know, you need, you need to leave a mark, right? You need to let people know that you were here. You need to, you know, I don't know, be, become famous or, or make some big impact in the world. And I think leaving a legacy from that point of view is is in some sense futile because because every great accomplishment, every great state, states person, every great you know actress or actor or you know famous person, uh, head of state, you know all these people are going to be at best uh, historical footnote when time works its equalizing magic, and eventually they'll be completely forgotten. Uh, even every you know great physical thing, every every great cathedral, every pyramid will eventually be reduced to dust, and so anything that we could possibly do right now on this earth uh, from that point of view is is not going to be re remembered but there is a legacy that we can leave that not only uh, doesn't decay doesn't rust doesn't fade away but increases exponentially over time and the the story that i like to use to illustrate this is imagine that a giant asteroid was coming towards the earth and uh, if it hit the earth it, it would wipe out all life on earth every living thing on the planet um would be would perish um, if we knew about this asteroid far enough out, uh, soon enough, you know, we wouldn't have to send a team of heroes to go blow, blow it to smithereens. We could send a small spacecraft and with the, with the force equivalent to the weight of a feather, give that asteroid just a teeny little nudge. And that teeny little nudge over the course of its journey to the Earth could result in thousands of miles of mist distance, saving every living thing on the planet. And so every moment of every day, every person on Earth is making nudges, positive and negative nudges to the trajectory of not only their own lives, but the trajectory of our entire society. And so a hundred thousand years from now, where the world will be, would will be, and where it would be had you not lived, are going to be vastly, vastly different. And so with that perspective, um, first of all, it doesn't matter if you get credit or not for, for anything that you do. And a lot of a lot of uh, and what I've seen in, in the humanitarian work I've done and the, the sustainable development work I've done is we are we are really hampered with trying to figure out, yeah, I'd like to do this, but how am I going to get credit for it? How is my organization going to get credit for it? You know, and, and that really is counterproductive. Yeah. The and so, yes, mm -hmm, I agree. And so we have, you know, we have these ripples. We are profoundly more powerful. Every single person is profoundly more powerful than than we could possibly imagine. And I think. You know, realizing that is, is, is itself empowering because a lot of people want to make a difference in the world. They, they want to make the world a better place. I, I believe the vast majority of the people in the world sure. want to leave this place better than they found it. Yeah. Uh, but they, some people hesitate to do it because they think, what can I possibly do? The, the cha challenges and problems are so big. What could one person possibly do? Uh, they're not seeing it from the perspective, the orbital perspective. They're not seeing it over the, the time frame of what that nudge and, and the trajectory of our society will do uh, over the course of, of uh, yeah. time. Well, it's like throwing a pebble in the in the in the pond 
and it ripples the the ripple of the pond and and most people don't realize that even even one act of kindness each day it affects the whole whole system or someone in such a way that they can pass it on so yeah i mean no i i I get that and but but again how do we teach those kinds of things you know i mean uh that's very important to me as far as uh, you know, we have a campaign called Lift Women Up. We It's called Lift As You Rise. And, and it's very, very simple. It's just lifting another woman. As you as you rise in your own lifetime, bring someone along. Same mm-hmm. thing with men or women. Lift mm-hmm. someone up each day. And it could be as simple as saying, hello, how are you today? Boy, you look good today. Or, geez, how can I help you? And I think this is something that... Uh, it's just going back to those, you know, you're a humanitarian and you know as well as anybody that sometimes the most simple things we can do are probably the most important things we can do. Yeah, d- definitely. And maybe there's one one more little nuance here to talk about because, you know, I, I do think it's important to, you know, bring like-minded people together um, and, and, and work together in, in that way. But I also think it's, equally important, if not more important, to bring non-like-minded people together. Oh, yeah. uh, because it, you make them like-minded. <laughs> well, uh, well, I think part of, part of, you know, we, we hear about how diversity is, is a positive thing, right? Diversity yeah. is a strength. One of the reasons why diversity is a strength is because with diversity comes diversity of perspective. And when we look at things from two different points of view, we see it in stereoscopic vision. We see in 3D, we start to see the depth. Um, uh, And so when the more perspectives we can apply to a challenge, to a problem, uh, the deeper our understanding of that challenge will be, the more lasting and effective will be the solutions. And so the very diversity of our perspectives uh, is a source of strength. But what we, because we live in such divisive times, because we've, we've become so polarized, our default state, at least politically in, in, in the business world, is to assume that any difference of opinion is a threat uh, and that we cannot possibly acknowledge any merit in, in a different perspective because if we acknowledge merit, then that other side will, will gain. And, and, and therefore, if they're gaining, then naturally that means that we're losing. <laughs> who's getting the credit here? Yeah. 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 Yeah, who's getting the award, who's getting the credit, all that. Yes. Right. Right. So I think it's really important to embrace. Um, not just diversity as we as we normally understand it, but diversity of perspective uh, too, and and to seek out people that have completely different perspective from you, and and try and engage in in a rational conversation. Um, but we have to meet people where they're at, and we need to understand yeah. uh, that they're they're seeing things differently because they're looking at it from a different point of view, literally a different point of view, whether that's you know through the the internet feed that they get, or where they live, or how they were brought up, or or what else. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've only got a few more minutes, so I'm going to give you one more question, and then we're going to talk a little bit about your books, and then we're going to find out how they can learn more about you and everything you're doing. So again, how do we overcome these divisive divisive and polarizing times? Because it really is important that, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. We have to have as many ideas coming to the table and sharing those ideas to see what we can do to move forward. I, I think we, we overcome them through compassion and empathy. Uh, and I know that those are buzzwords, but that, that just because they're cliches <laughs> doesn't mean they're not true. Um, and, I, and what I mean by that is that we have to understand where people are coming from and not be, and not be judgmental on it. And 
you know, no one can possibly fact check every information that, that comes in. It's just, there's too much. Uh, but what we can fact check, what we have an obligation and responsibility to fact check is what we put out into the world. So if we're blindly sharing things, we're adding to the problem. Um, we're, we're part of the problem if, if we're doing that. And so if, if you feel, and the other thing is to realize uh, when you're being manipulated, because if, if you read something, you see something on the news, you see something in your social media feed, and you feel yourself clenching up, you feel your heart rate going up, you, you, you feel you know starting the rage starting to come in, you're probably being manipulated by an algorithm. And you need to, you know, just kind of set back and, and uh, think about what's going on and don't just blind, blindly share it. But but when I say empathy and compassion, I, I mean we need to understand where people are coming from in in a in a non non-judgmental fashion, and to and to seek to have conversations that are not built on the foundation of fear, which you know the vast majority of all conversations right now, especially on the internet, are based on a foundation of fear, but based on a foundation of on wonder of what we can do together uh, in, in, in a positive way, and and to look at every situation as not how am I going to change this person's opinion now, how I'm going to change this person and make them do X, Y, and Z. How did, how can I allow this to change me? How, how, how is this, this situation, this difference of opinion, uh, you, you know, this, this challenge that we're facing, how can I learn from this and, 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 and mature and grow and evolve, uh, myself? Uh, and so I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for self growth, uh, that, you gonna we change people if we that will that will enable you to change people because you will change people by your own example not by convincing them that you're right and they're wrong you, they're going to see your example uh they're going to see the authenticity of the way you live your life and that's that's going to uh, create change in the world yeah absolutely trust empathy and hope hope is an important uh part of everything going on right now. And I, exactly. and I really do. I, I, I feel good about so many things that are happening. And again, we need more people like you that are out there telling that story of wonder and awe, because oftentimes we forget to look. You know, I can walk by, I have an equestrian center out here in California, and sometimes I'll walk by looking for what things I need to change and make better instead of looking by, looking out, looking at the vista of the property, which I'm doing right now and saying, this is absolutely beautiful here. Yeah. I had a horse show this weekend and people were coming up and just going, this place is amazing. I love it here. And, yeah. you know, and it made me stop and think, yeah, this place is amazing. And, yeah. and I think that's the part of life that if we all got back to that part, things would be awfully different. There'd be no doubt about it. Dr. I Nancy, I, I, I think you hit a nail on the head just now because, you know, we talked about this, this cliche of the uh, underlying unity. And, and I really believe that experiences like you just described of, you know, walking along the property and seeing the beauty of it, when, we, when we're immersed with beauty and love and awe and wonder, um, that is a glimpse into this unity, this wholeness that, that I'm talking about. That's that's the wholeness shining through, you know, the opaque yeah. background yeah. of our artificially created reality. And I, I think that's the secret: is to embrace those things that are the portals, if you will, to to that true unity. Right, because every you know everybody every every time someone came to me and and said something, it I, I felt complete unification. It was just. Yeah. 
you know, it might've been confirmation, but it was also unification and saying, oh, thank you so much. You know, it's a, it's so glad, I'm so glad I could share this with you. Well, how can we share more about you and your books and where they can learn more about you? Because 30 minutes is not enough time to talk uh, about all the things that you, you, you're doing, have done and uh, a fascinating life, no doubt about it. And all the great things that you're doing and the great things that you're going to do as well. Well, thank you, Dr. Nancy. And, you know, a labor of love was floating in darkness. I, I just released it a few weeks ago. I believe that it has messages that the world needs to hear right now. I, I, I agree with you. I think we're at an inflection point. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot hanging in the balance. Uh, we need to make sure that we get on the right side of, of this inflection point. Um, I think we're at an inflection point between two human epochs uh, where everything is going to change. And so floating in darkness... Um, you know, it's a, it's a fun book. It's all about you know dog fights and space flights and spacewalks and living on the bottom of the ocean, but it all serves as an allegory for the evolution of society. Not not only where we've been, but where we need to go. And my goal in writing the book was to illuminate a path towards a future that we'd all want to be a part of. To illuminate a path out of this divisiveness, out of this polarization, uh, and to enable us as a species to evolve and transcend and and, and rise above it. And yeah. so. Uh, it's it's floating in darkness. Uh, the subtitle is a journey of evolution. There it is. Right there's the book. <laughs> and and uh, float, the best place to find it is floatingindarkness.com. Great. Yeah, and getting past our fears is is also so very important. Exactly. And uh, once we get past that, all those things are very very possible. Okay, but all right, let's see the last book, the other books, the children's book, because I want that mayor, that little girl that becomes the mayor, and on the. Moon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is a this 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 was a lot of fun. There, there she is on the moon. <laughs> oh, so that's and that's called rail, railroad to the moon. And well, that, that gives us. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Ron. I'm a psychologist, so that just gives me a little bit better glimpse into who you are. So, oh, uh oh. Uh, no, I appreciate it. Are now, you psychoanalyzing me right now? Uh, I don't. I can't say. I can't say. <laughs> well, I want to. I want to thank you for spending some time with me and and having this conversation. And uh, I look forward to other times. And of course, the fifth element is is very close to my heart. And Ed and yep. Alyssa and I, I know all the wonderful things that are going on in the world. And that's what we got to. That you know, that's what we have to do, Ron. We have to share the good things. You know, I've I've said what I want. On, on news is a good news channel. That's all mm. I want is one good channel that you could turn on day or night, and it's all just great news. <laughs> Don't you think that would be wonderful? I, I do. I do. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Well, congratulations on your books. Thank you, Dr. I know you'll be, they'll be extremely successful. As I said, uh, I, I'm not going to say goodbye. I'm just going to say see you later, and thank you so, so much for today. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you're doing. I think you're making a big difference. Uh, you're not making a little nudge. You're making a big nudge, a big positive well, like, nudge. Like I said, it's, it's a labor of love. And, and yeah. the equestrian center with my horses, to tell you the truth, really is where a lot of my passion is coming from now. There's just something about a four-legged huge animal that's more yeah. scared of a, of a plastic bag than it's, you know, they're, they're terrified of everything, but just they're absolutely the most amazing, sensitive, caring creatures once you, uh, once you get to know them. But uh, you'll you have, have to come visit. Come, I would come love to. California Equestrian Center, and I'll give you a great tour. Oh, I, I would love that. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, you too Dr. Nancy. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 
and read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Thank you for listening.